Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. I'm calling this message today, Win Inside. You know, that's just where the battle is. It's on the inside, right? I mean, you're sitting here, you're all facing the same direction, you know, you're in church. Church has a bad rap these days, unfortunately, because of, you know, the nonsense that goes on and the waste. But the reason we need something like this regularly happening, if we could all fit in my house, that's what we do, but we can't, so we do this. But the reason you're here is not to necessarily learn anything new. It's to just present yourself you know, at least one time a week to God collectively with other people that are willing to minister to you and encourage you and walk away with a renewed mind of, yes, Christ is my sufficiency. Jesus is Lord. This is the direction of my life, you know, because you forget. And you don't have to come to church. You don't have to come to a building. You are the church. Amen? But thank God that we have this opportunity and this freedom to remember what Jesus did for us in a public way. I mean, these guys get killed if they profess their Christianity, you know? I read an article this week. I didn't, Sally and I talked later in the week, but earlier in the week I'd read an article where there was a guy telling his story. I guess it was during this period of time. He was talking about some trek to Mecca and he said he was just he was fervent and he really was seeking forgiveness and he just heard a voice and i don't remember what the voice said it'd be a really good story if i did but you know there's a lot of them out there but it was christ leading him away and he's like you don't need this or you know what do you and, and basically he brought the christ brought him to a decision he said so what are you going to do and the guy just got up and walked away that is one of the goals that i have for us in this church and for the body of christ is that we just get up and walk away from the legalistic nonsense that we think we got to do to make God happy. Because it's killing you. Amen. And it is, it is hardening your heart toward God, and it's causing you to focus on your behavior and your failures more than focusing on who Christ is in you. And when you pray, if you're more ashamed and full of guilt then you are thankful for what he did, you know, you're doing it wrong. Does that mean we should continue in sin? No. Does that mean God doesn't see your sin? No. Because, you know, some people people mispreach that, where it says that God is not holding your sin against you. Some people say, well, God doesn't even see your sin. You're hidden in Christ, and what you do doesn't affect anything. No, that's wrong. He sees it. And it, you know, it grieves him. But it doesn't change how he feels about you. It doesn't affect your standing with him. you got to know that. Like, intellectually, all of us would agree to that. But when you miss it this week, how are you going to feel about how God feels about you? Well, we don't live by feelings. Yeah, you do. You do what you feel. It's true that we live by faith, not by sight. But if you don't feel it, you don't believe it. Amen. Somebody's texting me, telling me that was an amen, I hope. 
<laughs> don't you know I'm preaching? I mean, honestly, if you don't feel it, it's not real to you. Think about it. You might mentally assent to something and agree to it, but if it's not alive within you, if it doesn't produce a spiritual fruit within you, if it doesn't compel you to desire righteousness, or if it doesn't compare, compel you to move in love towards someone, or if it doesn't compel you to look at what God says he paid for you to be over, if you don't have some sense of desire to move past that thing, and you're just saying, oh, it's true, but I'm a wreck on the inside, it's not really real to you yet. You might agree with it, but you don't believe it. True belief has with it the associated obedience. And I'm not just talking about avoiding sin. Obedience is also laying aside your self-deception that you aren't accepted by God. And I'm telling you, it's a vicious cycle. So many people, well, there's, two, there's a couple. Let me see if I can sort this out. I might preach my message here in a minute, but I feel like this is important. There's a couple of things that we do. In religion, you're taught you still have a sin nature. Legalistic religion would tell you you still have a sin nature. Christ, in Colossians 2, it says of him that he cut out that old man. He took out that root, that dead man, and he put within you a new heart. That is language of you being a new creature. Now, you still have flesh to deal with, and flesh has more to do with your mindset than it does your nature. But you do not have an equally powerful, sinful nature in you driving you. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And it's up to you in your mind which one you're going to be influenced by, the world or who you really are in him. It's why you feel so bad when you keep sinning when you get born again, because it's not... It's not natural for you. Sin is not natural for you. You only keep choosing it because you like it. <laughs> you know? No, nobody, you're not tempted to go over there and slap David around over there. He's a nice guy. Nobody wants to do that. You are? Not that David, that David. Are you? Is anybody tempted? We'll pray for you if you are. Look at him. He's smiling over there. He's a nice guy. You watched that fight last night, didn't you? That's what it is. You're... You know what I mean? I mean, nobody's tempted to jump up here and put a gun in my face and take my wallet. I don't think. Dude, how much is it? Yeah. It's like, well, let me think about that. Let me... <laughs> you understand what I'm saying. But when you go home and nobody's watching or you face that situation where you react and blow up or you have that little area where you compromise and you just kind of settled for it or you think that this, you're never going to get over this, you have either bought the lie of legalistic religion or you just want to do it. Legalistic religion gives you an excuse to stay in your sin because it tells you, well, it's just part of who you are. You can't avoid it. That is a huge lie. And that makes religiously legalistic people very nervous and start looking for ways to call that blasphemy. But you honestly read through Colossians and you realize, no, I am expected to live righteously because I am righteous. Amen. It's a choice. Right. Amen? Mm -hmm. 
It's a big deal. That's a big one. And I know we're in Baptist land, and the black dog, white dog is a very big teaching. And I'm not trying to throw Baptists under the bus. I mean, you know, but that, it's the idea. You know what I mean? It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the belief. It's the lack of fully recognizing the completed work of Christ in you. You do not have an excuse to continue in sin if you've said yes to Christ. God has changed you at the deepest part of what and who you are. I mean, I'm looking around. We're mostly believers, you know. I'm not really trying to convince you of anything. I'm just trying to kind of pull something up out of you that, that compels you to desire to reflect this righteousness that you've been given because the world is out there looking around. The world is looking for truth. The world is starving for truth, and maybe they'll see it in you, you know. Maybe they will. But, it, but that process of you living under that sort of responsibility and under that, that sort of, you know, that, that gravity of, of taking God at his word for what Christ did in you, you know, it shouldn't feel heavy. It shouldn't, you shouldn't think, oh, I've got a lot of work to do. The work is right here. The work is in your mind to renew your mind. You are transformed by the renewing of your mind. And every battle you face starts on the inside. And I'm telling you, the most important battles you're going to face are the ones that nobody sees. I've been thinking a lot about David the past couple of weeks. You know, before he was King David, he was a little scrawny shepherd out in the field watching sheep. And we all know the story. Think about this. A bear. The man killed a bear with his bare hands. The man killed a lion have you ever seen a lion? You ever been to the zoo and seen a lion? I mean, you stand in awe of this thing, and you start thinking, I don't know if you think this, but you, by the way, that was close with that knife on that lamb's neck there, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. But you have those thoughts. You're standing there next to that lion, and the sheer power of it, you start thinking about, you know, what the teeth would feel like on your skull or something like that, you know? I mean, you know, you don't think, I could take him. <laughs> You know, unless you're Conor McGregor or King David, you don't, you don't look at a lion and think, next. <laughs> Honestly, I want to make it real. It happened, right? Amen. I mean, how did, he, how did he do that? You know, you go through Psalms and you see he was a musician. He was a musician. He wasn't trained for battle. All he knew was that he was protecting those sheep and God would help him. He knew that God would empower him to fulfill the calling that was on his life, probably out of a huge honor and respect for his father is really what was driving him. You know, out of his honor and respect for his natural earthly father and his family and and his role in that setting, he drew on God to function in that. You know, I, I think we lose the sense of it's in those personal moments where you're facing something that you feel like is bigger than you because we compromise all the time. It's like, okay, well, you know, no, either nobody's watching or next time I will make a different choice. 
I realize I blew it right now, but you know, God still loves me. Well, that's the, you know, you don't want to run that path. You don't want to start, you don't want to start thinking God's okay with where you know that you're missing it because he's not. He's not holding it against you. He already punished Christ in your place for it, but he is not warm and fuzzy about you continuing in your sin. And, you know, I hope, like, I'll just announce what I'm doing here. I'm not really in teaching mode. I'm, I'm wanting you to kind of dig deep for a moment. I'm wanting you to connect with your personal life, your private life. And I'm not just talking about the obvious behaviors. I'm talking about those subtleties where you pick up a fence or you get defensive in those little areas, you know. Or when you're on Facebook and you're mentally reading the riot act to whichever your favorite group is to be angry at. <laughs> that is a great place to practice. I'm not trying to throw you under the bus, Beverly. Up. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? And it, I'm, this is not do right on Facebook. You know, this is not, I'm try, not trying to draw a legalistic line of what you're supposed to do, but we have the responsibility to represent God on this planet. God is seeking a group of people all over the world that will, that will have pure and clean hearts before him and not hinder what it is that he would lead them to do. And when we're full of guilt and shame or anger, I mean, a bunch of white dudes carrying torches in this day and age, are you kidding me? It's easy to get angry at that, and you can't make excuses for that. There's no excuse for that, how dumb that is. However, that's not the level that we battle something like that on, you know. We have to make sure that in our hearts, I mean, what would Jesus say? You know, if he were standing in that crowd, what would he say to those folks? I don't know. <laughs> but he would lead with love, you know. He would lead with love in some way. And, and compel them to love one another. So, you know, I, I, I know that there's a bit of heaviness in the room when you think about these kinds of things, but I want us to take seriously this righteousness that we've been given. And it's not up to you to live it in your own strength. It's up to you to believe and be persuaded deep within your heart that God is those things in you. And that he, you have been engrafted to him and he will live that through you, but you make the choice to let him. There's some grace folks out there, and man, I'm telling you what, they're so free, they don't, they don't have to do anything. I heard one guy, and this South African dude, and he's got kind of a big following, and he does, he's kind of got this idea that, well, anything that I do is godly because Christ is living in me. It's not my life I'm living anymore. How about, well, you know, I don't see arrogance as a fruit of the Spirit. But, you know, it's like, no, you can't go there with it. You have a part to play. You have a will. You can't just chalk up your failures and shortcomings to the fact that you think you're still totally depraved after you're saved. You know, let's look at a couple of passages here with Jesus. John 14, 30. You know, when we start talking like this, this is not a compulsion for you to start focusing on your behavior. 
This is an invitation for you to open your heart to him and, and let God develop within you the character that really is already in there by your spirit. And the way that, it, and we've talked over the last couple of weeks, if you haven't been here, go to our podcast. The messages are up free. We, start, we talked a lot about, a little bit about finances, but a lot about your mouth and where you go with your mouth and how you respond and how you talk to people and how you talk to yourself. But I, I love this that, about Jesus. And this is so powerful. I mean, this is, this is incredible. You know, this is before he's getting to be arrested, or, or he's about to be arrested. I, actually, this is a different part. I got too mixed up here. So this is Jesus. He says, I'll not say much more to you, for the prince of this world is coming, and he has no hold over me. There's another verse in there, or another translation that says, he has nothing in me. See, and I'm going to, this is a little bit of a teaching. So some of you that are confused about the enemy or give the enemy too much credit, what you got to realize is that the enemy, when he comes for you, he's coming to try to find something that's in you. He's coming to expose a weakness within you. He's coming to expose and exploit a, a deception that you already have within you. He doesn't come and present something to you that you're not interested in. He doesn't have the power to do that. He cannot place thoughts in your mind that lead you to a direction that is not something that's already in you to go that direction. The devil has no power over you at all, ever. Again, see Colossians, because he stripped, Christ stripped all principality and power of any authority. Christ has all authority. You do not give the enemy authority or even the right to come into your life when you sin. Now, you might attract him or it or they. You see the difference? You might attract that type of activity, but they're seeking to exploit what you already have within you. You know, the enemy, you can pull that down. The enemy actually is like, like imagine in this room that, like, if, so if you had a radio right here, and it had power to it, you can tune it to any kind of dial you want. You can pick up, you know, 93.3, you can pick up 96.1. Whatever you tune that dial to, you're going to pick up that frequency. There are radio waves being transmitted all over the country, and you, all you got to do is with the right receiver, pick it up, tune in and pick it up. Your heart is a receiver, and the demonic realm is just like radio waves, all they're doing is broadcasting a message. And it's up to you if you're going to turn to that dial or not. Now, here's the problem. Your heart already might be turned to the dial of, you know, of guilt. And so when that voice comes in and, you know, it starts hearing guilt and it sounds like it's your own voice and you take it on and, man, that stronghold gets built. That stronghold gets reinforced because then at that point, it's like the enemy will come in and try to hypnotize you to continue to believe the lie that you already bought into. You ever been to one of those hypnotists, like a comedian hypnotist? You ever seen that? Nobody's ever done that? Yeah. Have you seen it? Man, it's weird. But they, they'll, <laughs> they make people think that their watch is talking to them. And people are like, they're sitting on their watch, like embarrassed because their watch is talking, you know. But you talk to them afterward, and all those people are like, I, I knew what was going on. I was in control, but I just kind of I felt like I wanted to play along. That's how the enemy is. You're in control. You're always in control. 
because Christ has given you authority over anything and everything. If Christ is in you, nothing has any power over you except your willingness to be in agreement with it. So when the enemy comes, he's looking for something that's already in you. And Christ makes this statement. He's like, look, I'm getting ready to get arrested. The enemy is coming, but there's nothing in me that's going to stop me from following God. Because over in Luke 22, 42, look at this. This is, this is Jesus. This is God having emptied himself and become a man. This is the man Jesus who was tempted in all ways like we are, yet without sin. Right? Father, if you are willing, take this cup for me, yet not my will, but yours be done. You know, some people will say, you don't have your own will. You only have, the God, you only have God's will. Jesus is saying his will is separate. His will is, I'm not feeling this cross thing. Is there another way? Three times Jesus prayed, God, can we do this a different way? Now think about that. There's no different way for you to experience what God has for you than you to engage who you are in Christ and let that mind renewal process continue. But Jesus said, you know, not my will, your will. Now, God is not going to call you to die on a cross. Done. God calls you to live in the resurrection. God is not seeking to make your life difficult to get you more holy. Now, when you've reached a place of confidence and you're willing to follow, follow God at all costs, doesn't matter what happens to you, even if you lose your life, God might lead you into a place like Islam where you, where you lose your life. You might end up being arrested and tortured and face excruciating suffering. Because you follow God, but God doesn't lead you through that process to make you more holy or to develop something within you that he has separate from what he's given you in Christ. You're just walking out your call. Do you see the difference? Because some people will teach that you need to suffer to experience more of what God has for you. It's like, no, no, that's, that's not the way it works. The way something is made holy is it's cleansed properly you're cleansed by the blood of Christ, you're left holy. Amen? Amen. So you, you just look at where Jesus was, and he had to lay down his own will. He had to lay down his fear. You know, he, he never sinned. I'm not saying he sinned, but he was tempted. Temptation is not sin. That might be good news for some of you. Maybe you've never heard that. Temptation is not. The fact that you're tempted doesn't mean that you've committed sin. Unless you play it on out in, in your mind and you go there, you know, because it says it starts with you, it starts in your heart, and when it's conceived, then it's sin. When you act out on it, or even, you know, if you follow what Christ says, if it, if it manifests in your heart to the degree where it's a possibility, you're thinking about it, yeah, it's become sin at that point. So, I don't want to go too much longer because I know, I mean, I know it's a little heavier than what I would normally do. Maybe we could all do the laughing thing. You ever been to those laughing meetings and they're like, you just got to start laughing. Just start laughing. Fake it till you make it. When on the inside. I want us to make a commitment to ourselves, to our families, 
to the people around us, to the people that depend on us, to the world, to God. That in those times of having the opportunity to compromise a little bit or, you know, say, well, next time I'll do better, look for some grace in that moment. Think about David. Think about David facing that lion. You know, what if he said, ah, I'll let, I'll let it slip this time, but next time. No, there is always more grace than you'll ever need to conquer whatever it is you're facing in that moment. But sometimes we are just too lazy to choose grace. Sometimes we would rather embrace the guilt. Sometimes we would rather embrace the shame, either because it's familiar or trusting God seems too hard. Or if you've become carnally minded and the things of God be seem, seem like hard or impossible, man, that's when you know you really need to win on the inside. That's when you really need to know that, man, I've got some, I've got some internal work to do. I've got some renovating of my mind to do. I have some reshifting of the focus of my heart to do. Because the enemy is going to come looking for something within me. I'm not afraid of him, but I don't want to be a willing participant and follow that hypnotic trance into something that I know that I don't even want to go into. You ever done that? It's like you kind of snap out of it and you're like, again? Why did I do that? And you're, it's like you're aware of it in the middle. It's like, it's like you know, you're in slow motion and it's happening. You're like, no. But you can't stop yourself, and then you're like, you just keep going, and they, you know, it's like you know that saying this thing is gonna bring hell on earth to you, but you just keep on, and then afterward, you're like, what was I thinking? You have a choice. Let's say this is the here we go again phase, and this is the. And this is the afterward phase, and the fallout happens, and this is the what was I thinking phase. Grace is available every step of the way. Grace is available. The more you practice peace, the more you practice affirming your identity, the more you decide ahead of time how... This is a powerful exercise. Pick an area where you continually fail. Ask your spouse if you need some help. And think about it. Think about it not to rehearse the guilt and the shame, but think about it in the sense of this is how I want to respond next time. When this presents itself again, this is who I am, and this is how I will respond next time. So your heart doesn't know the difference between what's real and what's experienced inwardly emotionally. And if you can bring yourself to an experience and you feel the emotions of it inwardly, it's real to your heart, which sends a signal to your brain when you go to make that choice. It's, more, it's, it's like you've really already had that experience. If you don't believe me, go watch a movie. It's not real, but you're feeling what those characters are going through. You feel it, right? You, do you cry during movies? Why? Why? Because it feels real to you. You are identifying what you're going through, what that character is going through. 
you can look at what Christ did for you and look at the righteousness that you've been given when you're at peace before the I can't believe I did it again moment and decide ahead of time this is what it's going to look like. This is what it's going to feel like because I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. It will feel like this if I win over this the next time. And your heart has that moment. You ever, you ever I, was a, I remember being a kid, and my mom didn't know, but we went to this camp out uh, at a baseball field, and they, we watched, I don't even want to say the names of the movies, but we watched three horrific movies. Man, I, I'm scarred for life, still. A year, I didn't sleep in my bed. I would, I'd, you know, mom would wake up, would I be in your bed? Well, she finally told me, you can't come sleep with me, so I'd be on the floor. <laughs> and then she said, you can't come in my room in the middle of the night anymore, so I'd be out in the hallway. <laughs> You've had that experience, too. I don't watch that kind of stuff anymore because it was, it was heavy. And I would have these nightmares, and it's like, I mean, for years. I mean, it wasn't like I was, you know, a, a basket case. It was just that night, and you'd have those times, you know. It made an imprint on me just watching a movie. Now, I've never seen a crazy, bearded, white-headed man with a butcher knife coming after me. You know, never. That's never happened. But it felt like it happened. You, you know what I'm saying. I mean, I'm being funny, but, but it's like you can do that with the truth of what Christ did for you. You can sit and meditate. We're working on these tools, you know. I've, I've got some... Dan Snyder was our first worship leader, and we're working on these things we're calling Tools for Transformation, and they're, they're original music with some stuff embedded in it to kind of just help you relax with scriptural things written, you know, over the top. It's, they're they're going to be cool. Um, yeah, right. A little more accessible and approachable than heart physics, if you're familiar with heart physics, you know. If you're familiar with heart physics, you could call it heart physics light, maybe. I don't know. And I've talked to Jim about this. He's good with it. He wants me to do it. So. But, and so that's what meditation is. Meditation is not what, it, it's, it's so that your heart will believe what God gave you in Christ. So that when you face life, that's what comes out of you. Because the enemy is going to come and try to pull things out of you that will lead you to death and destruction. See, God does the same thing, except he lives inwardly, but he's seeking for the gold. The enemy comes digging for the dirt. God comes looking for the gold. But see, God has the advantage because he already <clears throat> placed his riches within you. His, the riches of his glory. Think about this. You know, I'll end on this, but I, let's use this as a bit of a meditative moment. Are you with me? You kind of, you know, relax, reset for a moment here. I know I've said a bunch of stuff, but think about this. God has placed the riches of his glory, the riches of his glory. I mean, I, our mind can't even conceive what that even is, but it's better than what we can even imagine, right? The riches of his glory in us. God has placed the riches of the inheritance of his saints 
in us. God has placed value within us. He's placed himself within you. And what he does is he comes to you and he starts to draw that up out of you. He starts to draw those riches. He starts to draw that self-control, that patience, that gentleness. You know, when you're sitting there and you're feeling as impatient as you've ever been and you're thinking, oh, here we go, I'm about to get to the point where it's, I did it again. Before you do that, remember, no, God has placed within me the riches of patience. He is patient in me. It's not I'm detached from God and I'm about to blow it and God, I need you to show up and magically send me some patience. No, he is patience in you. That's, how, that's a lot of Christians' prayer life. God, I need some help. You've got to come from somewhere and do something externally. No, you've got to own that you're willing to make that change inwardly. And it, it's like you meet in the middle. Faith meets God in the middle in your heart and he's supplying everything that you already need, but your faith owns the fact that you need to change and you're going to be willing to change in that moment. And you, you don't have the luxury to just sit back and say, God, fix me. You, don't, you can't do that. That's why people are disappointed over and over and over and over and keep facing the same failures over and over and over. He can't just fix you. You have a part to play. Trust and belief. Work winning on the inside. Mostly just staying at peace. So take that with you, the exercise of whatever that area of life is that feels heavy and is burdenous to you right now. Look at it. Maybe, maybe it's something that you can change. Maybe it's something that is happening to you, but you just don't want it to affect you the way that it is affecting, whatever it is, you know what I mean? You see yourself in that situation, find a, an aspect of the character of who God is, Determine how you want to behave in that area. Determine how you want to feel when you're facing it because Christ is already in you and it will make it easier to choose that the next time. You're not hypnotizing yourself. There's no magic of meditation. The, what, the reason it works is because if you can see it ahead of time, it, it's believable to you. And that's what you're trying to do is get to a place where your heart believes that what God says is possible is possible before you go through. The wise see ahead and change their course. The fool says, I got to learn the hard way. The fool says, you know, just beat me up a little bit and I'll learn. I'll learn through adversity. Well, I hope you learn through adversity, but there's a better way. Amen. Wisdom. Amen. God's given you wisdom before those stripes show up, the stripes of life. Amen. So do you, do you see that? Do you have an area? Don't let guilt and shame overcloud the fact that you can win over this thing. But it's, it's connecting with it inwardly. Amen? Amen. Father, we, we thank you for that grace that is alive and available in every situation. I will choose righteousness. I will choose life. By your grace, by your empowerment, I will choose self-control. You've already placed the riches within me that need to be birthed out of me, the fruit that I need to bear. You are already in me as the root of what you desire. So I just look inwardly. 
I just acknowledge that you are in me in fullness. And everything that needs to happen in my life is already within me. You're the root of every good thing that I ever need to choose and, and live out. So I look inwardly, and I let you nurture, and I let you affirm those riches that you've placed within me, and, and, and I, I'm going to make the committed, intentional effort to renew my mind so that I own that identity. It's not living righteously is not separate from me that I'm trying to strive toward. Living righteously is the fruit of you living in me. Living at peace and patience is the fruit of the riches that you have placed in me in Christ. All for the purpose of reflecting your glory. Not so that I can consume anything for myself. Yes, we get to reap the benefit of blessing as we yield to you. But God, we just want you to be glorified. We want you to be glorified. We want the world to see what you look like through a body that is united in love.